What up meeples, on this show it's COVID versus gaming as we discuss how the business and the hobby have changed over the past few months. Along with Paul bringing the weekly news and Kickstarter campaigns, this is the podcast for the Gaming Community. What's up guys, my name is Jason. My name's Ian. We are two game club organisers shooting the breeze about tabletop gaming. So pop the kettle on once again, grab a brew, and let's go on with today's episode. So we're going to do something slightly different today. We were having a chat earlier and we've realised how much of a difference the current world climate has actually made, not just to our gaming habits, but to gaming in general. Yeah. And we have a almost two-parter coming up over the next two weeks and we were discussing... And we noticed how the types of games we've seen this year have changed, the availability of the games, and the well, the obvious one, the player count for games and what we can fit in. One of the things we were talking about is what games we wanted to review and what we've played recently, you know, preparing for next week. And we realized something that came up with the clubs is the patterns of how we played games when the limited time we've had available to do stuff with each other this year has become so we decided there's a good idea to talk about it yeah uh i think it's a pretty good discussion topic to have especially when it was really difficult to come up with a discussion this week because obviously we are still we're not in lockdown anymore but we might as well be you know where we live we're in tier two so it it is very difficult to actually meet up and play games at to the point that it's actually physically impossible and technically against the law unless you're in your own household bubble which brings us on to one of the first points is play accounts for gaming and popularity of different games has been dominated this year by what can you play family friendly two-player or solo yeah because obviously the main people that you've been able to play with are the people you live with, which for a lot of people is your your family, which would usually indicate young children. So that immediately takes out a lot of the big box games that we all know and love and reduces us to playing the games that we still love, but maybe aren't quite as um, testing on the mind, shall we say. Yeah. Or the other thing is like before the last lockdown... I have a lovely group of my friends all geared up to try a couple of legacy games. And once they announced the lockdown, we turned the legacy night of about to start these big games into just a generic board game night to try out some of our other games because we realized it's probably the last night we're all allowed to be together and actually see each other in person. So trying to start something big like Pandemic Legacy or Betrayal at the House on the Hill Legacy didn't seem like the best of ideas when we're going to get one session in and then have to wait God knows how long till we can start it again. I mean, can you really imagine starting that campaign, really enjoying the first scenario, for example, and especially for yourself where it was actually your game? You're then going to have played that game, really wanting to play the next one and then have it just sitting there teasing you and tantalizing you with its amazing box art going, play me. Yep. I've never always been known as the most patient person in the world, and patient is a virtue that I'm slowly learning, but when it comes to things like this, you've got to resist that temptation to want to open all the bits, you know, to see what could happen, or go and look at other playthroughs online. You don't want to spoil it before you start, and especially something that you get to play through once. So yeah, it's been a very interesting and strange year for that sort of stuff. It has, uh, and the, the pattern 
as you said, for how we play games, the type of games we play, it has drastically shifted. Um, and even the businesses that you know that make up our, our gaming, our gaming world, how even they have either struggled, and some of them have even done exceptionally well, like better than they've had before. So yeah, there's many things that we can cover on this, but I think the first one is let's stick it to a player level. Let's talk about what what is it that that's changed for the players the easiest one to look at is solo gaming solo gaming has had for obvious reasons a huge boom this year every kickstarter i've noticed that's done well has put a solo mode somewhere in amongst it um even you know big big ones like our dinogenics and stuff has a solo mode as well as a co-op mode now you know it's just making things for the gamers desperate to get something to the table knowing they can't do it against themselves having ai modes really helps i mean marvel champions again harping on about that but that came out the start this year not only did you have the demand issues of fantasy flight at the be- at their best anyway but it almost doubled in price until the second wave of prints came through because once march hit with that first lockdown all of Marvel Champions was playable solo. Mm. So suddenly it became one of the highest demanded games I noticed at the time. I'm not saying it's the definitive highest demanded game, but I noticed, you know, trying to source my copies of things, how difficult it was to get a copy for that big reason. And I think, um, you know, obviously you're talking about Marvel Champions. I can chime in with the older version with uh, Marvel Legendary. I'm in a lot of the, the Facebook groups and this year they have been booming with pictures of people playing games solo. And it's actually great to see because it does mean that game has had a, another resurgence. And I think the companies even noticed that because their expansions are starting to come thick and fast, which is it's great for me. Not so much my wallet, but... Yep. You know, it's it is good to see that the game is not slowly dying. It's actually thriving, uh, and it's mainly because it has that solo mode. Yeah, and again, two-player games as well. Me and you have talked about wanting to try and get down to a couple of the two-player variants because we know we can't try things in full whack. Foothills is a good one, uh, two-player variant of Snowdonia that both of us have bought a copy of over the year. I have had the luxury with my partner of trying Dinogenics in the co-op mode that we mentioned back when we did our review. And I have to say, I was thoroughly impressed. Um, we did say we'd review that ourselves at some point, but time has not been our friend either at the moment. It's showing a different way of looking at your games collection. You know, we're just looking at Jason's now and just thinking is like, I can play that, I can't play that, I can't play that, I could play that. You know, it's it's suddenly culled a part of our collection, yeah. even though there's nothing wrong with those games. You know, I've had a Kickstarter come through literally yesterday um, called Stop the Train. I mentioned it right at the start of our podcast or something I kickstarted this year. It's gone really quick through Kickstarter, but it's a four to six player game. God knows when I'm going to get that to the table because it is a social deduction game. So you need the bigger group of people. Indeed, yeah. You know, social deduction game with two people don't work too well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's you. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> Sounds kind of sus to me. So yeah, solo and two-player games, they really have skyrocketed, as well as the family games that we said about as well. Um, But one of the other things that we have touched on in the past when we did our Tabletop Simulator episode, the switch to online gaming as well has been phenomenal. I know, personally speaking, I was never a huge fan of playing things like board games and stuff on the computer, but it's now become a part of my life that I can't actually see disappearing again. Even when we are able to to game in person i can well believe that you know when i've got my son at the weekends and once he's gone to bed and i still want to be sociable i'll I'll probably be online playing board games again which is great 
it's become a staple now. It's a good way to try games before you buy them. You know, a lot of the kickstart companies are realizing this and releasing the um, games on like the online platform straight away so that they can actually get people to road test their games. They can learn from feedback and people can actually try it to know they buy it. We mentioned that with Bristol 1350. None of us, I think, would have bought that if it wasn't for playing it. Um, with other people and speaking of which leads me nicely on to availability of our friends not only are we struggling to play with people that live local to us when you're playing online you can play with anywhere you know ed that we had on the podcast you know he's like halfway around europe yet we can still play games with him you know as and when he's free and we're free yeah without a doubt so that side of things is is great it really is Uh, that that side of it has made things much better you know and we we do have the pandemic to thank for that i think it's still a downside and ultimately yeah i'd, I'd still prefer to play these games in person there's a social aspect with having a group of people around a table that you cannot replicate online um again something that we'll touch on another bit is i am training to be a personal therapist and i will say from experience body language um movement um eye contact all of these things give away more information and help you know build an atmosphere in the room just as much as spoken word but you take that away you you know you've got far less to work with and life can become a lot more difficult you know so even with gaming you know i can apply that that theory to gaming as well when you're around a table you've got snacks you've got drinks you've got company you've got laughter you've just got a general atmosphere in the air that is great to be around regardless where you are you know that's why we love our board game nights a lot of the social side of it there have been nights when I haven't even played a board game just being around people mm. we're as human beings we are social creatures even the unsociable ones of us need human contact looking at you jason um <laughs> as much as i love the online gaming and i always will much like you i agree it's because it's become a staple of my life it's still not the same as being in the same room as someone no, no, I don't think it'll ever replace uh, replace that. And I think something else um, to mention, really, with, with regards to the online, is I find it a lot harder to learn new games online. Mm. And what I've I found that that's really led us to do, and you guys have probably noticed it with the games that we're we're telling you we've been playing recently, uh, and it's led us to essentially playing the games that we already know. The other problem with this, and again, this is where our topic today came from. So we were talking about, like, what have we been playing in the small window we had our board game group back up at the local comic shop. And we came to the realisation we sat with the same games we've already reviewed, that we've already talked about a lot. And, you know, we don't want to keep sounding like a broken record with it all. Mm. But much like Jason said, when you know you're limited on time, normally you don't mind too much when you know the next week you've got another gaming session. When you don't know week to week when you're next going to see everyone... Trying to teach yourself how to play something quick enough to then teach everyone else on the table around you how to play something and set it up. Normally when you try a game for the first time with a whole new group of people, realistically, at least from my personal experience, we don't normally finish that first game. You know, if we're time limited to a board game group and we're trying a new game, the first game normally goes royally tits up and then then you have another game of it. Yeah. You know, I did this with my local um, group of friends before the lockdown we got to play um, Kodama 3D and we actually played it twice on the trot because the first game, 
it took us probably about 30 to 40% of the way through the game before we all understood the rules. Mm. I know for a fact I made a big mistake at the start of the game, which cost me you know, any chance at winning the game. And I know one of the other three players did the same sort of thing. So it ended up a two-horse race from the moment we started, which was a bit of a painful grind to get to the end of the first game. Yeah. But then I thoroughly enjoyed a play- second playthrough because we all knew what we were doing. Yeah. you know, And that was because we were trying to read the rule book and teach each other whilst learning ourselves and it, yeah. you almost write off uh, many a game even the campaign games and stuff like that like i remember one of the, i think i'm sure the first time i played zombie side i think we started we got overrun realized where we'd gone wrong so we went back and started the mission mm-hmm. again within about 15 20 minutes yeah because we realized what we were doing wrong fixed our issues and decided we could waste the time playing this out, yeah. or as that was a co-op game anyway, just start again. And it's 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 kind of had a bit, as you sort of semi-touched on just now as well. It's it's kind of had a, a mini negative impact with regards to the content that we've been able to produce. You know, we we when we set out this podcast, we knew obviously starting this in the middle of a lockdown was it was only going to be a temporary setback for us. Uh, however where it just kept getting extended and then extended and then the tier system and then a second lockdown and then another tier system. We had a th- we had a plan of what we wanted to do. It would have been a four-week rolling plan where every every week would be a different subject. You know, we, we'd bring you lots of different reviews of games as well. And we just haven't been able to do that because, you know, for, for any of you that have ever tried to do reviews, be it written, audio or video in the past to really review a game properly you have to play it at least three times yeah and when you are not able to meet up to play these games or when you do meet up you you've got to be quick it has made it damn near impossible for us to to really review those games and like you said that's why we've ended up doing games that we are very passionate about because we know them like the back of our hand and we're sort of a, a period now where we've got games that both of us know that we could easily review but it'll only be one of us that really knows how that game is played because we haven't played those games together we've also got games that we've been itching to get each other to play like jason keeps harping on about me playing the power rangers game i have no offense to playing that game i'm not a power rangers fan which is why i don't own it but i have no problem with learning to play it other than the fact of the time scale of getting it to a table when mm. we've actually got spare time to do it same with things like i mentioned to jason if he'd played i thought he'd played flashpoint over the years which is another game i'd like to bring to the podcast at some point not realizing every time i've played with it at the groups that we've had jason's been in another game so i've played it once it's one of my absolute all-time favorite games and i have all all, i think bar one of the expansions but we didn't want to bring it to review with just one-sided review of one of us doing it Mm. when the other hasn't had the chance to explore it properly exactly so i mean that's that's going to be something that we can look forward to in the future once you know all of this has blown over and we are able to to get back to a yeah. a regular uh, programming, shall we say. Yep. But that'll be a discussion for another time. <laughs> so another big, big, interesting COVID versus the gaming community um, topic that we, uh, we've we touched on a little bit, but it's been a really interesting for me this year is trading card games. Obviously, the easy answer to this is which ones have an online version and which ones don't. Mm how much the games have changed with a focus on the online versions of the games. You know, the easiest one for me to say is like Pokemon this weekend just gone. We're running official tournaments through their system online and stuff like that. And, you know, watching the individual prices, the secondhand market for the real life cards tank. You know, I've seen playable cards that would normally be 30, 40 pound cards each currently sitting at the 10, 12 pound mark. 
you know, at the moment and people snapping them all up ready to try and make a profit later on. Mm. So that, that's been an interesting one. And on the flip side of that, the collector's market for trading cards has been an interesting one. As and when the YouTubers, the big named YouTubers have started dipping their toes in different things for views, so follows the rest of the world in trying to see what what they can replicate. Like at the moment, the last like three three months have been absolutely stupid for the price of anything with the word Charizard written on it. Mm. Because Logan Paul decided to dip his toe into the classic Pokemon market. So everyone wanted a piece of it. So everything with everything just doubled in price overnight, which is great for people like me with collections of the stuff to try and shift on. But it's been really weird to see an absolutely pointless rise in collector's values of things, which will drop again as the playable stuff then comes back in. But where some people have managed to get away with not, you know, not everyone. I know there's lots of people out there struggling at the moment, but some people have managed to get away with curbing their spending because there's nothing to spend it on. Yeah. And those have been the ones that suddenly flooded the market with, I've got money, what you got for me? <laughs> yeah, indeed. And that sort of does lead on nicely as well, because I, I've noticed a distinct lack of new games uh, this year and not to say that there's been none because there have been a few that have come out even kickstarter you know there's been there just hasn't been as many as there has been previous years and yeah you could say it's pure coincidence but i i don't believe that i really don't i mean some of it comes down to enthusiasm you know we've mentioned it before and i mentioned it again time has been an issue for us but me and jason are working on a couple of game ideas ourselves but we haven't really had the time to actually sit and look at it for a long time now you know you're coming up to a year mm. the ideas are there we've got a team of people wanting to help us do it but we haven't found the time or the enthusiasm to sit mm. down and actually make the time for it and get it working a lot's changed a lot's affected people's lies full stop i mean i've had a roller coaster of a year i'm not going to go into that on the podcast but um you know those that know me or want to come talk to me i've got a wild set of stories to say of what's happened just to me alone this year but most people have a story to tell this year mm. good or bad or both yeah you know yeah. and it's it's really interesting to see how the mental side of things has affected people of which another topic we will come back to shortly in the new year Okay, so another positive that uh, that I have seen from all of this was the absolute monstrous boom to some of the companies that make up the gaming industry. Probably front and centre is Games Workshop. Now, why do we think Games Workshop have essentially exploded over the past few months? Well, what's the common denominator with the type of games Games Workshop churn out? And a lot of our collections is the miniatures. And when people get suddenly gain a lot of time on their hands, painting suddenly becomes an interesting hobby for a lot of us um, gamers. Not everyone, but a lot of us. I've been learning it this year, as you've all well heard. Jason's been doing it for years. I spent an extortionate amount of money on paints this year because I've, you know, through little bits of this year, I've had the time to actually start learning it. And, you know, a lot of these games come unpainted because people enjoy painting. So suddenly the hob that hobby has exploded and with it come those that produce the miniatures because once you start painting all the ones you already have, you need more to replace them. <laughs> exactly. And Games Workshop, you know, their whole business is, is unpainted plastic. And, you know, they have a really good paint line as well. So they really have had all of the, the tools that were needed in order to survive as a business and not only to survive, to thrive as a business. I mean, there's funny news stories out there. There was someone who got arrested in the first lockdown 
because they ran out of their black paint and they travelled something stupid like four or five hundred miles up north to a game store that still had some and got caught out doing it and and, and couldn't fathom why black paint was not a justifiable excuse to, to <laughs> That to is break without the doubt, in my mind, that is an essential journey. <laughs> Obviously, digital gaming... Uh, side of things has had a boom as well i think that was always going to be the case computer manufacturers again they've had a massive boom people wanted to play online realizing that their you know 10 year old pcs just weren't up to the task of of running a lot of these games and i'm sitting opposite someone who has recently procured himself a new gaming appliance i don't know what you're talking about The other big one for me this year, though, was with my college going online, was trying to source a webcam because all sorts of online um, video conferencing technology just tripled in price. It's one of the benefits, to be honest, to having a photography background is I kind of already had it. I just needed the cables in order to connect it all up. I just had my phone and that was horrendous. (laughs) So yeah, uh, people are obviously using those webcams for a multitude of things, you know, staying connected with family, etc. But I also noticed a lot of games switched to being played via webcam. Yep. And it's not something that either of us have done, but it is a very novel and very unique way of doing it. Or even the Digimon card game uh, have a tournament coming up that is a webcam tournament because... They don't, they're a brand new, fresh trading card game. They don't have the platform built yet in place for an online version of their game. They need something to promote the game to get people to buying it, which is done well so far with its limited print run. But they had to, they've had to do an online, you know, a webcam version because they don't have like platforms like Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon have to play online. So suddenly, this was their compromise of put small prizes in for people, but try and push people to buy the product to have a quick go online with it because people you know as we said earlier the actual in-hand cards are difficult to use at the moment because there's no real tournaments to travel to yeah exactly and one final thing that i would bring up uh, what i've seen is the enormous amount of print and plays that have been made available from the various distributions uh, out there i mean j- just off the top of my head i know that asmodee made six of their popular games free to download print and play in order to help people just get through yeah. the trying times that we're, we're currently in some of the other games like pokemon did it as well um, they did a print and play raid battle system i think it was something they were planning to put into the pokemon leagues as a little bit of fun with some oversized cards and stuff realized they couldn't churn it out as you know because there are no leagues at the moment so they did a free print and play version mm. for families to have something to mess around with at home you know and again hats off to all of these companies doing this it's something that was well received they didn't have to do i've seen lots of scenarios for games as well marvel champions did a scenario i'm pretty sure a lot of the other living card games had a free scenario to try and most of them were geared up for solo play or you know small amounts of player counts as well yeah so it has been good to see you know the companies sort of stepping stepping in and sort of looking after if you like looking after their player base because it's not been easy it has been incredibly difficult and it's not over yet we're not out of the woods you know we are living in an age where the vaccine has been announced as to how quickly that's going to be rolled out how effective it's going to be and how how much of it they can make quick enough exactly so it's uh, it all does all remain to be seen, but but it's not all bad, you know. We've covered just as many positives out of this as we have negatives, and let's be real. One of the biggest things with the gaming 
industry is the community you know we've renamed our groups under the banner of crawley gaming community it's it shows that it's not just us two there's more to this than just us we might you know we might just do this but you know even within weeks we had paul joining us with the news the support we've had you know the strength that comes out of the numbers and the resolve that comes out of us all even in these trying times has been something that will stay with me forever yeah it's been a real eye-opener i i knew the the community that we have uh, especially around here is exceptional but it's been proven to me just how exceptional it really is yeah. uh, probably far and far and above what i ever thought it was previously um, and my eyes are definitely far more open to that now and it's still growing there yes. are more you know we're still getting new people come to us whether that be through this podcast or through our gaming nights or recommendations or friends of friends people coming back off of long trips away jordan um <laughs> <laughs> you know but it, it's been nice to watch our community grow and become more accepting you know and help each other out through these trying times yep couldn't agree more so yeah it is it's been a bit of a, a short i suppose short serious episode you know we we normally like to have a bit of a laugh and a joke but it's been it's been hard these past couple of months and I think both of us i mean we are winding down to the end of the year as i said we got one more left after this one and then we're taking a break for christmas but this year has been tough for everyone, not just us. And life has been tough to follow it, you know. And I know I'm missing the gaming. I'm missing the people. I'm mi- But the community spirit is what's there and keeps us going. The friends I've made are amazing, you know. And I just wanted to celebrate that, but also show the effect that it's had on us. As I said, we were looking at what games to review before we did this podcast and we've been struggling for days on knowing what to review what to talk about and it was only the conversations of like what games were we playing on our last few club nights and it became the old favorites so we asked why mm. you know why aren't we trying these new shiny things that we've been telling you we've been buying or why haven't we played them enough to review them and that sort of stuff well the short reason is we just haven't had the capability to do so or the infrastructure in place to allow it i i don't even have to look behind me i know that i have something in the region of 80 games behind me on one set of shelves and about another 40 odd uh scattered about either my club storage which i haven't had access to for nearly a year i've got some upstairs in my house there's a stupid amount of games just in my house alone that can be reviewed and then ian's collection is about the same size so there's plenty more that we can do we just need the time to really sit down play them properly and the capability we need to be allowed to see people yeah let's face it the whole world is crawling calling out for that at the moment but we have to we have to do what we're told yep we do one day things will get better and we do that to the best of our ability yep the better days are on their way i love that phrase yeah but anyway guys we're gonna we're gonna close this section down um i would say if you've enjoyed what you've listened to then you know please do let us know or it's been a bit of a different episode this week um i hope you enjoy this type of episode we don't do them too often i know we're not we're normally a lot more light-hearted than this as well um we will go back to that don't don't you worry yeah yeah. Oh, there's more insults between us two coming <laughs> so yeah if you if you have liked what you've listened to or if you don't like what you've listened to let us know we really would like to know if this is the kind of content you do want to hear you can find us on 
all of our social medias, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the podcast, Recorded Gaming Community. You'll find us. Yeah, and we've still got our lovely Discord server and our regular meets on there too. Indeed we have. Every Monday, every Monday evening we'll be on there. And there's usually one of us somewhere around if you poke us hard enough. Yeah, yeah. Just have a look on the Discord. One of us is there. We'll drop and post and people will appear. So we're going to hand over to the uh, our newsman for another episode of the news. Uh, from what I understand... This week, they managed to get out of the shed and that uh, him and Brian have been putting up Christmas lights. Uh-oh. So uh, <laughs> we may have to have words with Paul when he comes in next week. He's not allowed to be festive, damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, over to you, Paul, and over to you, Brian. Okay, what are we doing outside the shed? You know I'm not supposed to be out. Oh, in that case, I wonder what the chain round my ankle was for. Back to my first question. What have you dragged me out here for? Oh, you put Christmas lights up on the shed. Oh, nice. So this is the official switch on, is it? Cool. What do you mean it's going to be a bit bright? You want me to go and get my sunglasses on, then? You want me to put those welding goggles on? Really? What have you done? Oh, you've started the countdown. Bugger, quick mask on, quick. Ouch! I can't see. Hang on, my eyes are adjusting. Wow. I'm glad of this welding mask now. Not so much bright, more of a beacon. You know the Chinese have just crafted an artificial sun. I think this would give them a run for their money. Actually, I think I'm getting a tan. Turn around. Oh, yeah. Crawley does look a bit dark. Like, total blackout dark. How much power are you drawing? You're right, there is a couple of lights coming towards us. What direction's that? Gatwick, that's a damn plane. Get those bloody lights off and get back in the shed, quick. And it's gone over. Phew. Right, we've been recording the news all this time, okay? No lights, no plane, no blackout. Agreed? Yes. Right, get outside and get them bloody lights down. Right, news. Back in the day when the graphics of video games were displayed as bits and not all these billions of polygons, life was simpler and we want nothing more than to get back to those simpler times. And we can help in that plight via the wondrous products available over at 8-Bit Canvas. Owned and run by Ashley, also known as the Murple Meeple. She's been running her business for the last few years. She creates wall art, toys, trinkets and accessories in the style of retro 8-bit video games, with each piece being designed and handmade by Ashley. Think Zelda, think Mario, think Golden Axe, and so many more, including delving in with board game-inspired pieces too. Originally created with the children's craft system Hammer Bees, Ashley has endeavoured to tweak her methods and find alternatives that give her the perfection in her products she strives for. She's just launched her own website featuring a collection of products that she has. That's not to say that she can't work on magic on that special, unique something for one of your loved ones. Head on over to 8, that's the figure 8, bit canvas, or one word, just with the number at the front, .co.uk. That's 8bitcanvas.co.uk. For all her products and contact information for any commissions that you may want to have her make. Sad news for people who may have backed Asmadi's recent Kickstarter, Good Puppers, as your games may be heading towards the bottom of the Pacific Ocean in what has been called a significant container ship incident. 
Chris Seaslick, as Mardi's lead designer, updated the Kickstarter campaign for Good Puppers, a card game about gathering dogs to bury bones in the garden, with news that the ship containing fulfilments for it and other projects ran afoul of a powerful storm that dislodged around 1,900 containers from the vessel. The ship was en route from China to California when it encountered a violent storm producing gale-force winds and large swells, which were powerful enough to pitch the ship and dislodge or damage around 15 to 25 percent of the 1900 containers on board. Rerouted to Japan to assess damages and salvage whatever was possible, the actual extent of Asmadi's loss won't be known for a few more days, but the company has asked its factory to rush out a new print run of the games on board to fulfill backer pledges. Reports stated that this could be the largest single container loss since the sinking of the MOL Comfort in 2013. Kids on Bikes publisher Renegade Games will pit players against each other in the Jewel of the Wands, a competitive card game for two players set in the magical school universe of the Kids on Brooms RPG. While details are slim at the moment, the announcement page describes a match wherein both players use their arsenal, represented by cards, to gradually weaken their opponent's psyche to the point of disarming or incapacitating them. The duel will span multiple rounds, and the loser will have the opportunity to study and improve their spells before once again squaring up, wand in hand. Jewel of the Wands will reportedly slot nicely into an ongoing Kids on Brooms campaign as a side activity or way to characterise disputes between characters. Teens are a rowdy bunch without the addition of magical powers. It makes sense they would invent a formal system for duking it out. The card game is designed by Gothic doctors Doug Lewandowski and first-time designer Luke Munch. Heather Vaughan, who is working on Redigade's upcoming The Snallagasty Situation, Kids on Bikes board game, will be illustrating. Kids on Brooms takes the collaborative storytelling framework and teenaged focus of the Kids on Bikes RPG and provides a world where magic is real and they send you to school for it. Sounds like another IP. Ministry and hijinks, including broom rides, potion brewing and skipping class, as the players navigate the politics of secondary school armed with a wand. Jewel of the Wands is available to pre-order now on Renegade's website for $20 or £15 and plans for an official release in early 2021. A new award was launched for board games in late November called the Zenobia Award, highlighting underrepresented designers and topics. Its official press release statement says, History is big, so big that it belongs to everyone. Every individual, no matter their background or identity, connects to history in a unique and important ways. So why do historical board game designers seem to fit into the same mould? You know the type. White, male, straight, usually academic, often a part-time dabbler in spurious facial hair. We've wondered the same thing, which is why we're pleased to announce the Zenobia Award, board game design contest for underrepresented groups. That could mean you, whether you're a woman, person of colour, LGBTQ, or otherwise underrepresented, the Zenobia Award is all about helping you break into the tabletop game industry. That can mean boards, cards, dice, tiles, or miniatures, Whatever your game requires, if it's about a historical setting, we want to help your voice be heard. How will we do that? Good question. 
The Zenobia Award is more than a fancy name. It's a mentorship intended to pair you with industry veterans who will help develop your game into the best form. It's an entry point with partner publishers standing by to discover the most interesting titles and help bring them to print. And it's a contest complete with a cash prize, public celebration and genuine wooden trophy analogue. That's right, a plaque. Is there a hitch? Nope. There's no cost of entry, no obligation to list your mentor as a co-designer, and you keep the rights to your games, unless you sign a contract with a publisher, obviously. That's entirely up to you. Being a game designer, you know the importance of little rules, so take a look at the fine print over at ZenobiaAward.org and welcome to the Zenobia Award. We're really looking forward to seeing the results of having more different perspectives and varied historical topics developed into awesome new board games for us all to explore, enjoy and learn from in the future. If you're interested in learning more about the Zenobia Award, you can check out all the details on the ZenobiaAward.org website. A good local friend of ours and creator and illustrator of Hero Master, an epic game of epic fails, which was a successful Kickstarter in 2018, Jamie Noble Fryer, also known as the Noble Artist, has officially launched his latest project, Doodle Meeple. The new website looks to bring together incredible and talented freelancers in a central location to connect with clients, and obviously vice versa. Clients looking for professionals to assist in the art and design, marketing, campaign management, development and testing of their own projects. So whether you're established in the tabletop game industry or just starting out at Doodle Meeple, they're working to showcase your skills and connect you with clients. Jamie commented, there's nothing like creating your own world for people to enjoy, developing something that you know people will love. The design process is almost as much fun as the games itself, but we know you're only one meeple. There's a bunch of stuff to do to get there, and we're here to help you identify what you need to do. Doodle Meeple is loaded with board game industry level creative talents, waiting to help you on your next project. Doodle Meeple are incredibly proud of the creative individuals who have already chosen to use our platform. To ensure we maintain high standards of talent, we regularly review every profile registered with Doodle Meeple to ensure each meets our high expectations. So head on over to doodlemeeple.com for more information and to sign up. You'll have access to everything you need to build your profile and put together professional quotes. Well, with no notable Kickstarters launching this week... I mean, I had trouble finding those couple last week. December is certainly a no-go for launching Kickstarters. So I've decided to entice you to maybe purchase a game to play with the family this Christmas. Yeah, I don't agree with what Doris said about board games. I'm sure if it's in the confines of a family home amongst your bubble, a group is fine. Anyway... All these games are less than £20, and although that may seem a little pricey to some, these choices are well worth the money, and you'll get back so much in time and enjoyment from them. They're also great for introducing members of the family to board games without intimidating them too much. They're all short games, very easy to set up, and with equally easy rules. So first up is Quirkle. Think Scrabble, but with colours and shapes instead of letters. There's not a household in my extended family that does not own a copy of Quirkle, or I have bought a copy for. We have two versions of a few that are around, the main being the large wooden tiles variant. But there are cubes, travel, card, and even a Star Wars variant available, playing two to four players. Next up is Bandido, 
a card game handily contained within a very unassumingly small box. Your goal, cooperating with your fellow players, is to block all the tunnel's escape routes before the deck of cards runs out and the bandido escapes for one to four players. Saboteur is up next, introducing a little intrigue into the co-op field as you mine for gold amongst your fellow dwarven miners, only to realise that one or two of you may be trying to scupper the objective. That's for three to ten players. In a box as small as Bandido is Deep Sea Adventure. Yourself and up to five friends have bought a dodgy submarine in order to go and plunder the local accident backspot for treasures. The sub, however, only provides a certain amount of oxygen for you and your group, so get out, grab what you can, and get back in before your air packs up. Played over three rounds, how much treasure will you grab? Love Letter gets brought out more than any other game when we've got a few minutes to kill. With various variants and premium editions available, the base premium set is the one to try and get, being able to play two to eight players. The aim over numerous rounds is to knock out all the other opponents through your choice of playing one of two character cards in hand. If the deck runs out, it's whoever's character has the highest number at the end wins. A relatively new one on me is The Crew, Quest for Planet 9, a trick-taking game played over 50 missions, with the success only being met if each of the 2-5 to five party members can meet the common tasks laid out. It's not the amount of tricks, it's the right tricks at the right time. Over to events, and with the only events currently still running being the Lewis Board Games Club over at Trinity Gaming Cafe on a Thursday evening, I'm sure Dave would welcome the attendance. You can book your place in via trinitylewis.org forward slash gaming. Mid-Sussex Meeples have pencilled in some dates for next year with Cypress Hall, but been informed that the hall has been earmarked as a venue to administer the COVID-19 vaccine, so we'll provide more information as and when it's revealed to ourselves, although the first date we had planned was 31st of January 2021, if you did want to pencil that in for yourselves. Besides that, I'm sure the guys have been plugging Discord for Monday evenings. Brian and I should be there this Monday too. So with that being said, that's all from the shed for another week. Say goodbye, Brian. And it's a goodbye from me. Till next week, stay safe, meeples. Thank you very much for that, Paul. And thank you guys for joining us once again for another episode of the Podcast Recorded Gaming Community. Again, it was a different one this week. It's been interesting. Yeah, I mean, again, I hope you all enjoyed it. A bigger, bigger than normal emphasis on stay well and stay safe these are trying times at the moment and hopefully over this festive period things will start to improve but we'll have to keep an eye on things indeed next week's show we have uh we are going to be welcoming paul out of the shed he is going to be joining us in the studio and we're going to be doing our 2020 year in review episode we're going to be talking about games that we've played this year probably our favorite games that we've played this year um maybe even the games that came out this year maybe some that we did like maybe some we didn't like and we're going to be talking about what we're looking forward to in the year 2021, apart from the fact of 2020 will have gone. I was about to say, it might be a 2020 review, but we're not going to have it as a doom and gloom review. There was some doom and gloom in there, but not all. This year hasn't been all bad, and there are some positives, as we've even found in today's discussion. So it should be, it should be one last interesting roundup. Indeed it will be. But anyway, guys, if you could leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you have heard this on, that would be absolutely fan dabby dose. 
see we are going to close it off here thank you very much for joining us we will see you next week for our very last episode of 2020 but until then game safe stay safe and we'll see you then have a good one bye bye